This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. If you could make whatever change you would like to make in America, what would you do? Is there one single thing that you would try to accomplish if you could turn America around in a good way? Today we want to think about that as we discuss the subject, Making America Godly Again. Please stay tuned. I'm Billy Lambert and I want to thank you for tuning in to watch Getting to Know Your Bible today. And, and on our telecast today, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize it is free that you might know more about the course and how you can receive it. Let's take a brief pause. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 14 and verse 34, Solomon wrote, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Abram, or later known as Abraham, was uh, talking to God about the sparing of the city of Sodom. And he began to ask God if he would spare the city for 50 righteous souls. And then God said, well, that he would do that. Then he said, what about 45? If I can just find 45 righteous people in Sodom, would you say, yes, I would do that. What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? And then finally he came down and asked God, would you spare the city if we could just find 10 righteous people. You know, I think the text that I read to you from Proverbs 14, 34 kind of pinpoints one of the greatest needs we have in our nation today. And that, that is to make our nation a righteous nation, or to put it another way, to make America godly again. So how are we going to go about doing that? And what is suggested when we talk about making America a godly nation. Well, there are four things that I want to notice are, uh, in time permitting, and that there's some words in Proverbs uh, chapter 14, verse 34, that I'd like for us to, to highlight. And one of those words is righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation. Now, there are several things that are implied when we use that word righteousness. 
But first of all, what does that mean? What, how would you define righteousness? There was a gospel preacher by the name of Guy N. Woods, who was a very scholarly man, and he gave this very simple definition of righteousness. He said it just simply means to do right. Now that's, I think I can understand that. What about you? It just means that we're doing right. Doing right will help to exalt our nation. Let me read a passage to you from the 71st Psalm in verse 19. Your righteousness also, O God, is very high, who has done great things, O God, who is like unto you. God is over all. God is in control. That's implied when we talk about righteousness exalting a nation. And then God has given us a rule to live by. Listen to Psalms 119, verses 47 and 48. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I have loved. My hands will also lift up unto your commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in your statutes. You see, when I am trying to live a righteous life, I'm going to go by the commandments or the statutes of God. I have a, I have a rule or a, uh, or a standard to live by. I'm not left to, to develop my own rules and my own standard. Can you imagine a football team going out to play a game and, and one of the coaches says to the other coach on the opposing team, says, now, I know that you have rules that you play by, but you need to understand that when you are in our stadium, you play by our rules. We have our own rules. And the other coach will say, no, no, it doesn't work that way. Both teams play by the same rules. Well, when I say that we're trying to live a righteous life, that means that I have a set of rules to live by, and you don't have your rules, and I have my rules. We all have the same rules to live by, and that's the rule of God. In Psalms 119 in verse 11, that's where the psalmist said, Your word have I hid in my heart. One translation says, To laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is one of those ways that we, it helps us to live a righteous life. We have a right way to live by laying up God's Word in our heart. Now I try to illustrate like that, that, that passage like this. I want you to imagine that I have in my hand a wire wastebasket. And, and, and suppose I were to tell you that I'm going to fill that wire wastebasket with water. Well, you say, well, that'd be a foolish thing because as soon as you pour the water in, a wire wastebasket is going to pour out. That's exactly right. And God's Word, think of God's Word, and, 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 that, and your mind now is that wastebasket. By filtering the pure Word of God through my mind constantly, I'm keeping all the impurities out of my mind. That when you put that water in that wastebasket, you're going to have the cleanest wastebasket around because you're going to keep it clean and pure. And by filtering God's Word in my mind and in my heart, then I'm going to drive out the impure things and keep my thinking clear, clear and pure. I may not remember everything, but, but, but I'm going to have the ability and the benefit of keeping my mind pure and clean. You'll never be able to live a righteous life until you lay up the Word of God 
in your heart. Now, righteousness is essential. Let, let me tell you about the essentiality of living a good life, a, a righteous life. First of all, it is essential to enter heaven. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, the Bible says, Know you not, the unrighteous, now that's the opposite of being righteous, but the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 4.18 said, If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the unrighteous and the ungodly appear? And so righteousness, living right, just plain old-fashioned living right, is essential to go to heaven. It's a factor. It's going to be a factor when we stand before God in the day of judgment. In the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel, Jesus gave a scene of the judgment. And Jesus in that depiction had uh, sheep on one hand, he had goats on the other. And there was a division or separation of the sheep from the goats. And in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, which is the very last verse in that chapter, Jesus said, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. And there he was speaking of those on the left, that is, the goats, those that were unprepared for eternity. They'll go into everlasting punishment. But on the other hand, he said, But the righteous into life eternal. So you see, being righteous is essential if we would enter into eternal life. But you say, well, now, I just need one thing clarified. What does that really mean? What does it really mean to be righteous? Well, it means, first of all, that you respect God's Word. And you respect His Word enough that you do what God tells you to do. Listen to Psalms 119, verse 172. All your commandments are righteousness. When we talk about being righteous, we're talking about living our lives with a standard in our lives, and a rule in our lives, a, 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 a guide in our lives. And that guide, that rule, that standard is God's divine will, His Word. We call it the Bible. Somebody says, well, I think that, uh, that, that if I go by the old, old law found in the Old Testament that I'll be made righteous. Well, Paul said, not so. If righteousness come by the law, Christ died in vain, according to Galatians 2.21. So we're not going to be made righteous by keeping some, the, the Old Testament law. Today we live by the law of Christ, which is a, the perfect law of liberty, James 1.25, which called the gospel, Romans 1.16. And by obeying the gospel, we can be made righteous people, made righteous Listen to Paul in Romans 6, verses 17 and 18. But God be thanked that you once the servants of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. We become servants of righteousness. That is, we're serving a righteous God within a righteous life when we obey that form of teaching or doctrine that has been delivered unto us. Earlier in that same chapter, Paul talked about the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, and that we die to our sins when we're buried with Christ in baptism and we rise to walk in the newness of life. We're buried into His death, and therefore we are, when we are buried into the death of Christ, by faith in baptism we come in contact with His blood 
that washes away our sins. That's exactly the reason Saul of Tarsus was told in Acts 22, 16, Why tarriest thou? In other words, what are you waiting on? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So, you see, to be made righteous, we have to obey the law. It's revealed in the gospel. In Romans 1.16, we mentioned it earlier, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein, that is in the gospel, is revealed the righteousness of God. The gospel reveals to us how we can live that righteous life. And it is by obeying the gospel, which is the power of God to save our souls. Now, to be righteous, to be righteous, there are several things we have to do. Number one, we must love righteousness. We must love right living. Paul in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 says, Abhor that which is evil. Cleave unto that which is good. Then in Hebrews 1 and verse 9, the Bible says that he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Speaking of our Lord, we've got to learn to love right living. Some people don't like, don't love it. They don't, they don't love uh, the, the, the good life. They don't love righteousness. They don't love right living. But you see, to go home to heaven one day, to be righteous, I must love righteousness. Secondly, I must desire righteousness. In Matthew chapter 5 and 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see, you've got to have a desire for righteousness. I've often thought that it is largely a waste of time to try to get a person to do something they really don't want to do. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but, but in my experience as a preacher for over 50 years now, my observation is that you're, you're, you're hard to get a person to do what they don't want to do. The truth is most of us do whatever it is we want to do. And if we love right living, then we will hunger and thirst for right living. Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now third, in order to be righteous, we have to seek it. You've got to, to look for it, to search for it. Listen to Matthew 6 and 33. But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. So you see the three things that are essential here. We must love righteousness, desire righteousness, and we must seek righteousness. Now remember our text, righteousness exalts a nation. It lifts up a nation. Let's think about that word exalt. That simply means that something is set apart. And the things that have set America apart for lo all these many years is the fact that America first had people come here who were seeking for God. Two men were talking one day, one man from North America, one man from South America, 
and they were discussing the reason that the northern continent seemed to have exceeded the southern continent in development. And the man from South America made this observation as to why he thought, in his judgment, North America had exceeded the southern continent in development. He said, because those who came first to North America came looking for God, where those who came to South America came looking for gold. You see, our country is founded upon the principle that there is a God in heaven. On our uh, money, our coins, and our paper money, there is this inscription, In God we trust. You see, to set this country apart, we have to exalt God. Righteousness exalts a nation. It was George Washington who said, It is impossible to rightly govern the people without God and the Bible. And that's the safest thing to do. Listen to Psalms 119, verse 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. The safest thing for us to do as a nation is to exalt righteousness in this, in this nation. And when you remove the influence of God, and when you remove the influence of the Bible from a nation, it becomes weak, and it becomes very vulnerable to attack. Daniel Webster once said, As long as we abide by the principles that are taught in the Bible, we will go on prospering. But if we ever neglect its truths and instruction, no man can tell how suddenly a catastrophe may overwhelm us. I happen to agree with Mr. Webster. So, so long as we in this country begin to abide by the principles that are taught in the Word of God, God is going to bless our country. God, God will be with us and He will help us as a nation of people. That which made America the country that it is and has been is the fact that we had a, a nation founded upon the principles of God and of His divine will. Righteousness exalts a nation. It exalts a nation. And if we would exalt God and we would exalt the Bible in this country, it would be a greater country. It would make America godly again. Think about a country without the Bible. It is a nation without light. David said, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But when you eliminate the word of God, we're a country that is in spiritual and moral darkness. We do not want that for our nation. We do not want that for our children. Righteousness exalts a nation. And here's the reason we need to exalt righteousness and exalt God and exalt uh, His Word in our lives today. It's because sin is a reproach to any people. The word sin literally means to miss the mark, to miss the mark or undisciplined aim. In Psalms, rather, 59 and verse 12, 
Listen to what David wrote. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for cursing and lying which they speak. You see, when we fail to abide by the principles taught in the Bible, there is a price that we pay. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That simply means that sin is a disgrace to any people. Satan is at work in the world. Satan is at work in America. You think about the scourge of opioids in this country. It's now being talked about as being a national disaster. You think about the taking of human life in America. Every day on your television, you have reports of someone being shot, someone being killed. So many times it's some police officer somewhere that's been killed. That's the world we live in in America. And then you think about the taking of the lives of little babies from their mother's womb. Oh, how it must break the heart of God to know that's happening in America today. It seems to me that there is an awakening among the American people. They're beginning to realize that life and the giving of life is God's prerogative and that life comes into being when, when, the, when it is conceived within the womb of a mother. And there is not an individual on the face of this earth who has the right to terminate life when God creates that life. But we're living in that kind of a world in America. You think about the violence in the streets of America. You, 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 there's so many problems. You think about the breakdown of the family. In so many homes today, there is no father figure. And that has a devastating effect upon a nation. Think about the effect that a failure to have a father figure in a family has upon the children in that home. They need a father and they need a mother. That's why Solomon said that it takes righteousness to exalt a nation, to make a nation a strong nation, to make it a nation that is a godly nation. I think the thing that bothers me more than anything else is that we don't seem to be embarrassed about it. It reminds me of a statement made by the Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 6. When he said, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? He said, no, they were not ashamed. Neither could they blush. You see, people talk about the taking of a human life, and they seem to be proud of it not embarrassed about the taking of human life. Well, that, that, there, there's something basically wrong with a person's heart when they reason like that. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin it will, is a disgrace to a nation. It is a reproach to a nation. Sometimes a man is in the military is a, gets a dishonorable discharge because he has not conducted himself or herself in an honorable way. 
And unless we are honorable people and conduct ourselves in an honorable way in this country, we become a disgrace and a shame to this nation. May God help us all, number one, to exalt God. He is over all. And secondly, we exalt Jesus Christ as the divine Son of the living God. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Matthew 16, 16. Third, may we exalt the Bible, which is a book inspired by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 and verse 13 teaches that. So help us to exalt those things, and by so doing, we're going to make America a great godly nation. I'm concerned about America being godly. We may not be great in a lot of ways, but we can be godly. We can be a godly nation. In Psalms 9, 17, the Bible says, The wicked shall be turned into hell in all of the nations, but forget God. May God in heaven help us to never, ever leave Him out of the equation. May we never leave Him out of our lives. That is a mistake. Jeremiah 2.32 says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. But let us remember God now. Remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Remember God when? Remember Him now. Righteousness, right living, exalts a nation. Let us help make this country a godly country again. I want to thank you for watching today, and in the closing moments, may I urge you to call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. All you have to do is pick up the telephone right now and call for it. We'll send it to you. You say, well, what is the charge for that? There is no charge. There is no cost. And also, we want you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Churches of Christ are striving to exalt God, exalt the Bible, exalt Jesus, and to encourage people to live good, godly lives today. Let me ask you a question. What's wrong with that? You say, nothing, Brother Lambert, and I agree. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.